0: Good morning, good afternoon, and good day wherever you may be joining us from. Welcome to another edition of Sales TV Live. In celebration of BDR Appreciation Week, today we're examining the 2024 State of the BDR Survey from Sixth Sense. Joining me is Kerry Cunningham. Kerry brings over 25 years experience in B2B demand generation and management. He's currently spearheading research and thought leadership at Sixth Sense. Kerry, welcome.
1: Thank you, Rob, great to be here, appreciate it.
0: Kerry, please tell us a little bit about you, uh, your yeah. journey into sales and where you're at today.
1: Okay, thanks. Um, so, uh, you know, I work for Sixth Sense, which is a software company. Um, we're dedicated to helping B2B companies identify, engage and convert buyers. Uh, and by buyers here, we mean accounts and the buying groups that represent them. We'll talk about that. Um, I run a research and thought leadership function, which is kind of odd at a software company. Uh, but uh, if you are familiar with uh, with, with uh, companies like Forrester Research or Serious Decisions back in the day or Gartner, um, analyst firms like that, that's where I come from. The last uh, 10 years was spent Serious Decisions and Forrester. Uh, as an analyst covering B2B marketing and sales, and then back in the day, I, I was a VP of operations for a third-party teleservices firm uh, in the located primarily in the Bay Area, but we ended up with a few other offices as well, and about 500 uh, or so BDrs working primarily for tech companies, but not exclusively. Uh, and so, I have spent most of my adult life kind of right in the middle of the sales and marketing divide, which unfortunately has often been.
0: So thank you for that. Um, I have spent the the past day researching your research, reading through it. Uh, that's my printout of it there. Before we actually look at the results themselves, can you t- please explain a little bit about the methodology? Uh, who was sure. surveyed? What's the history behind it? And how were the questions chosen?
1: Sure. We uh, this, this is the, the third year we've done this survey with... Uh, with Sixth Sense. Um, I've done similar research back at Serious Decisions and Forrester in the past. This year we surveyed 290 uh, BDRs, primarily but not entirely North America, 90%-ish North America. Uh, Nice distribution of of industries represented, um, pretty heavy presence of tech and software uh, BDRs but BDRs from a pretty wide uh, swath of folks. We did a lot of the recruitment of uh, the survey responders right on LinkedIn. Uh, So a lot of people uh, on LinkedIn who might uh, be seeing it there will have participated in the the research. And as I said, this is the third year in a row. So we have some trends uh, that we can look at year over year over year um, in how things are going. Um, Now, a couple of the things that uh, go into the survey. So first we wanna know how it's going. Uh, and so we ask BDRs are your, is your team growing or shrinking, uh, are your quotas growing or shrinking? Uh, are you making your quotas? How's that going? Um, you know, and and things like how long have you been in the job and that kind of stuff so we can track, um, how the, how the structure of the teams and and what the, the BDR function looks like. Um, we also ask, uh, you know, how what are the things that you do as part of your job? Uh, are you setting meetings for sales all the time, some of the time? Are you uh, inviting prospects to other kinds of experiences? So, um, obviously, the kinds of things that BDRs have done for forever are you inviting them to events and those kinds of things? But these days, there are lots of other kinds of experiences that companies are offering their prospective buyers. Uh, and so we inquire about all of those and, and some some really good news there. Um, and then a big part of our survey every year is something we call the support index. So I have a background, my graduate backgrounds in in organizational psychology. And one of the things that fascinated me running a big organization of BDRs is how to keep those folks motivated uh, and engaged and doing their best. It's not a job that people want to have for a long time. Uh, and primarily what people want to do is get promoted out of it uh, and into something else. So we were always very interested in how do we keep folks engaged? And uh, a lot of people will be familiar with the Gallup organization and the, the workplace surveys that they do um, and uh, really great uh, work that they've done. We borrowed a number of questions from that survey and, and customized specifically for BDrs that we use in our survey every year. We use four of them, four of those questions. And then together they make up this thing we call the support index. And what's important about the support index, it measures how BDRs are feeling about their jobs. But the most important thing is it correlates really strongly with their performance. And uh, so we'll talk in a minute about that relationship between how supportive they are and in what ways and their performance. But it's an important one. And unfortunately, I have some negative news there. We had a lot of good news this year, but not some great news there.
0: All right. So then let's get to it. what are the key findings from this survey?
1: Yeah. So I think, you know, the first kind of most surprising, and this is a, this, this is a glass half full, I guess I'm a glass half full guy, but uh, a glass half full finding is that about 54 or so percent uh, of BDR said that their teams grew over the last year. Um, and, or actually 54 said they stayed the same in another uh 20 or so said that they grew. So you have about 75% of BDRs saying that their teams stayed the same or grew. Um, I think that's good news because if you do get your news from LinkedIn, you would think that they were all shrinking uh, and going away completely. Right? And all you see is bad news. Now, of course, that does mean that 25% of teams got small uh, over the last year. And that certainly isn't what we want to see. You'd love to see uh, a much smaller number getting smaller but 75% of teams growing. So we're calling that good news. Um, At the same time, we also saw a really substantial number of uh, quotas increasing. So the number of teams that reported or reported that their quotas increased was pretty uh, substantial. uh, And you are much more likely to have your quota increased rather than decreased. And what we've seen over time is that there are two reasons that quotas increase. Um, One is that companies are trying to get more done with less, Uh, and we've certainly heard the more with less mantra a lot over the last 18 months or two years. Uh, But the other reason that people raise quotas is because their expectations are higher and they intend or plan to grow. And when you combine the two things that I've just talked about, the fact that the teams are bigger and the quotas are bigger, what I think you have is a picture of companies that are intending and expecting to grow. Uh, So they're not just trying to squeeze more out of each BDR. They're actually increasing the number of BDRs and squeezing the BDRs at the same time. That means we're intending to grow. Uh, So that's good as a setup. The question is, okay, but how did it go? Uh, And what we saw is that BDRs actually outperformed a prior year in terms of hitting quota. Uh, And so by about 7%. Um, so BDRs reported a better year in hitting quota than, than the year prior, and the reps whose quotas increased were more likely to improve their quota attainment uh, than the reps who had their quotas decreased. So, again, that points back to if you if you when when you decrease quotas, very often you're doing that because you expect a difficult period coming up, uh, and you want to. Hang on to your BDRs, or at least keep the ones that you have motivated. So a lot of times, when you're expecting some negative stuff, you will see some quotas decrease. Uh, but I think together that paints a pretty good picture uh, of the health of the BDR function. Uh, there, there are more jobs this year than the prior one. patients are higher, but they're meeting expectations and uh, doing a better job of meeting though in the prior year. Uh, so that's you know I think really. Uh, we are happy to see that and surprised to see that I'll say.
0: Excellent. So I know we were talking beforehand. We've met beforehand, and uh, you were telling me that there are two questions that have been proven to predict BDR success. Can you share those with us, please?
1: Yeah, and so that takes us back to the uh, to the support index. And um, there really are there are four questions that make up the support index, but there's two questions right now that um, that really are impacting BDR performance. Uh, so I'll, I'll just go, I'll go through the whole thing, kind of lay the landscape, because the first two questions they come directly from that Gallup uh, Q12 survey, and they're the most basic things in the world. Do you know what's expected of you? Uh, and so the questions are formed as statements. I know what's expected of me, and you ask the the rep to say, I strongly agree to strongly disagree. And what you really want is for all of your BDRs to say, yes, I strongly agree, I know what's expected of me, right? They've got to know, uh, especially in entry level jobs, which most of these are, our our BDRs that we surveyed are, they've been in BDR roles for less than two years total. uh, And it's their second job out of college on average. So these are entry level jobs for the most part you have to be very clear in defining what that job is for folks at that level. The second question is, with the tools, equipment and training I have, can I do what's expected of me, right? So if they can't say that I know what to do and I think I can do it, then they're not going to be able to and they're not gonna hang around. Or if they do hang around, you'll have some quiet quitters, uh, people who are not doing their best. So uh, good news on the first question, people know what's expected of them. On the second question, though, uh, we've seen that number come down three years in a row, and it's currently uh, below uh, the level that we would call agree. So the average rep is not quite sure that they have the tools and the equipment and training to do what's expected of them. That's a very big problem. Uh, People do not hang around in jobs uh, and do their best when they're not sure it's going to that that they have what they need to do it. And this isn't one, this isn't a question where you just never get good answers. You never get a good response. Uh, we've seen great responses. Two years ago, uh, the average BDR said uh, overwhelmingly, I strongly agree that I have what I need to be successful. But this year they don't feel the same way. Um, we dug into what what are the things that would make you feel like you do have what you need uh, to be successful. And uh, we asked that question last year as well. We got the same answer this time. Um, It could have been contact data, intent data, account level data, uh, training. Uh, So all of those things could have been what the reps said. What they they say is contact and intent data. They want contact and intent data to feel like uh, they really have what they need to be successful. Um, also, uh, tech, other technologies uh, are on the list and, and um, those didn't come anywhere near contact and intent data, nothing did. Uh, in fact, training, uh, I think is lowest on the list, All right? So, so reps are pretty clear about what they need and what they want is better intelligence about which individuals to go after and whether the accounts that they're in are in market. Um, there are two other questions as part of the index that are that are really important. So the next question is: Do you feel like uh, leadership in your company values your role? All right? So is your job important to anybody else in your in the company but you, <laughs> basically? Uh, and then the last one is: Is is this role consistent with what you want to do in your career? Is this is this a, a place where you think it's going to be good for you? And you know the the leadership question that has come down uh, for the third year in a row as well and i've seen that over the years so i've been doing this kind of survey for a long time and, and every time there's a dip in the market leadership pays less attention to bdrs and they feel less valued, um, which is really unfortunate and just the opposite of what ought to be happening but it's very consistent uh, so that number's been coming down now those two things um, bdrs who do not feel like they have the tools and equipment to do what's expected of them, their goal attainment is, I think, seven uh, percentage points lower than BDRs who say that they do have what they need, right? So it's not just warm and fuzzy, feel good about it. It's actual, yeah, it makes a difference in whether they perform and how they perform. Uh, And so I wouldn't ask any sales leader or BDR leader to care about whether their reps feel supported just because. Uh, you know, that's, I'm not, that's, that, I'm not asking them to do that. I'm asking them to care about it because that impacts whether your BDRs are going to perform well or not. Uh, and you may not think that they need to feel supported in that way. You may think that they have everything that they need, but if they don't, they are not going to perform as well.
0: Wow. Yeah. Um, any other surprises in the data? Yeah, you know, we, we
1: asked about uh, use of AI uh, so far. Um, everybody wants to know AI, AI tools, um, what's, uh, what's going on with those. So we asked about the use of AI tools. And, uh, you know, so far uh, BDRs are getting to use uh, AI uh, tools called transcriptions, the most common one. Uh, so about 25% of all the BDRs that we surveyed um, their organizations use a call transcription tool, which I think is is really great. It's kind of, you know, I think now table stakes. Uh, everybody takes terrible notes. Nobody ever knows what happened on a call. Now you can know completely, so why not use that? Um, the next one on the list was email writing tools, and I'm so happy to see that BDRs are using those. You know, some BDRs may be good at writing emails, um, but most of us have been on the receiving end of BDR emails. So we know that there's work to be done there. <laughs> uh, a lot yeah. of work. Yes, there uh, is. And so uh, it's a great use case for generative AI. Um, it is a massive time saver, not to mention a quality improver uh, of that function. And so almost 20% of BDRs are already using a generative Uh, AI tool for email writing. Um, And there are other email uh, tools or other AI based tools moving in conversational email, some call coaching, call coaching, not quite as, uh, as high up the list as I would have expected yet. Um, But they're definitely making their way. So something like 39% of all BDRs have some AI based tool uh, that they're using in their job. And I would, you know, that number would have been Probably fifteen percent uh, two years ago, or ten percent, or something like that. A couple of years ago, or almost nothing. So that's a lot. Um, now the next thing we looked at is are you getting any training on them, uh, and you know the answer there is kind of a moderate amount of training is what uh, BDRs report.
0: But when you think I saw about- the report, you're generous there. Yeah, of course I'm biased. Uh, me, I'm the sales trainer at heart. Yeah when you when you think
1: about the uh, the the tools that they're using so far, so conversational uh, email would require some training if you're using it, but that's pretty low on the list so far, uh, coming up. But if you think about transcription tools, there's not a lot to, uh, to be trained on there. Um, it's mostly a thing that you receive. Now the email writing tool, yeah, there needs to be uh, some training associated with that so that you know how to use the content that comes from it, not just take everything. But I think still, not a massive amount of training to be competent. Um, you know, I think, you know, it's it's probably relatively low lift. Um, and the good news is when you ask BDRs how they feel about the AI tools, uh, they feel good about it. Uh, you know, the vast majority think they're, they're make the job more productive, make me more productive in my job, with, you know, some reps feeling like, oh, okay, no, it's, this thing's coming for my job, but only uh, I think, what, uh, eight, 9% or something like that. Uh, 9% feel like it's, they're coming for the job 65% or so saying, it's going to make them more productive and a bunch saying, you know, it doesn't really make a difference, um, which I think so far, probably is fair also. Uh, So, so far BDRs are feeling pretty good about it. They're not really feeling threatened for the most part. Um, And that's good because I think we've got a long way where AI can help BDRs become more and more productive uh, before AI becomes something that can take
0: their jobs. I don't think we're,
1: we're nowhere near that. And I think BDRs get that.
0: I want to bring in one other report that you've done, but I I want to summarize. Let's see if I heard you correctly. From the BDR report, what I'm hearing is performance seems to be improving, while support from leadership seems to be decreasing. Right. Okay. So how do these results align with another recent report from Sixth Sense, the buyer experience?
1: Yeah, great question. I'm glad you went there. Uh, so in the buyer experience study, you know, the main findings from that um, are I'll string together a few numbers for everybody. But the main findings are buyers don't interact with sellers, including BDRs, SDRs, until they're 70% of the way through their buying journey. That's not particularly wow. new information, right? But that's, that's you know, buyers don't want to interact until They're way into that journey. The question is, why is that? Well, um, one, they want to be in control. They told us that 83% of the time they initiate contact with sellers, not the other way around. So they don't want to have that contact till way into their journey. They control when it happens. And then we asked, so when, when you did initiate contact, finally, did you start with a winning vendor? In other words, was the first vendor you talked to the one that won the business or did you start somewhere else? And 84% of the time, they started with the ultimate winner. That was their first conversation. And this is a really important uh, nuance here for especially talking to a BDR BDR leader audience. It's possible that a buying team of 10 people has thousands of interactions uh, across an average buying journey of uh, 11 months. They get eight months into it. They've got a list of vendors. They decide to start interacting with those vendors now. They pick a vendor at random from the list and have a conversation with them. And it's so compelling that 84% of the time they buy from that vendor. So that's one explanation. Another explanation is they go through that long journey and they refuse to talk to anybody until they get 70% of the way through it because they want to decide what they want and who they want it from before they go out. And talk to vendors, and then when they go out and talk to vendors, they've got a they've got a short list. They've got a vendor on the top of that, and just like the rest of us do when we're buying cars or buying anything important, we have a favorite. And when we start really looking, when you know, go to press the flesh and take a test drive or whatever it is, you start with your favorite, and you hope you don't have to go any further. Right? That's kind of what you do.
0: Yeah,
1: um, that's what B two B buyers are doing, and so. Where that comes in, where that comes into play with the BDRs is we want to chase. We want to have BDRs go chase after folks early. What what buyers said is they're just not going to respond. Thirty-seven percent of buyers respond to either uh, sales SDR emails or phone calls. Fifty percent say they reach out to vendors proactively, right? So they're just not responding in that way. But BDRs have a huge role to make sure that buyers are aware of all of the good stuff that you have that's going to help them make a decision in your favor. So BDRs absolutely should be using intelligence about the account to go in and make sure that if you've got events, if you've got uh, dinners, uh, virtual events of any kind, whatever it is that you have to offer, communities that you sponsor, if you've got references, you can proactively deliver to those uh, buyers to help them during that period, they're actually making a decision to choose you and and make sure that they don't have to come to your website to find it. Like if you're a BDR team, and you've got good content that your marketing teams get hidden behind a form, don't tell your marketing team, but get that piece of content out from behind the form, and go get it to your buyers, be proactive about it and get it there. They need that to make a decision in your favor, you're going to start winning deals if you're enabling buyers like that. And that's what we really need to think about it. And that is, your job is to make buying easy from you, and generally for your buyers. And when you do, you will be much more likely to be the buyer that they choose to or be the vendor they choose to speak with when they do. So, of course, when you go out and offer content and experiences or whatever to buyers, you're going to ask for a meeting, fine, but don't make it the primary uh, uh, request don't make it the primary reason for the call all the time and uh, what we saw in the data we asked about this in the survey and what we saw in the data is about half the time BDRs are already doing things like inviting uh, buyers to communities inviting them to events inviting you know delivering content uh, that is of value to buyers and not just asking for the meeting so I know talking to sales and and BDR leaders, The idea of not asking for the meeting sounds like a really bad thing, but it doesn't work (laughs) and we know it doesn't work. Uh, And what you need to do is lead with what the buyer wants. And when you lead with what the buyer wants and deliver with what deliver what that buyer wants, the buyer will take a meeting with you when they're ready. Uh, If you just do the other stuff, you're going to piss them off. And that's what the data show.
0: What you're telling me is between those two reports, the intersection of those two reports implies a radically different role for BDRs going forward. Yeah. What would you see as potential for that role? So, you know, you
1: still still, when, when people come to your website and they fill out a form and say, I wanna to talk to you, you still gotta jump on that and do that. But if they just come to the form and they fill out a form and they come to the website, fill out a form to look at content, Leave them alone. Right? If you see that there are multiple people from that account looking at your content at the same time, now go prospect in that account. Now go treat that account like an account you're prospecting into because there is something happening. But now when you're prospecting into that account, you have to be thinking enable that buyer first. There, If they've got multiple people on your website, that means that they're evaluating you. Now, you can offer yourself as a, you know, I would love to talk to you if you're ready to do that. If you want to do that, absolutely do that. They may be, the, they may be ready, right? Um, but they're probably not yet because they're going to let you know when they are. And if they're not, you just want to make sure that, and by the way, in the meantime, we have, I notice you're connected to so-and-so, they're a customer. You should go talk to them. Or I noticed that you used to work for, they're a customer. You should go talk to them. Um, you, here's somebody else who, you know, whatever, whatever ability you have to present value to those prospects while they're not talking to you is going to help you win. Uh, And the more real that value is, the better. So opportunities to join groups or have one-on-one calls or sessions with people who know your company and aren't your company. Those are the kinds of things that really win uh, buyers over. Um, And so that's not radically, radically different. Uh, You know, BDRs are doing that, but it really needs to become more front and center uh, so that buyers will trust that you're looking after them and trying to get them what they need to make a decision. Um, That's the piece that's been missing.
0: Kerry, this has been great. Uh, How can people learn more and where can they get in touch with you?
1: Uh, So you can come to uh, sixcents.com backslash research, and all of the research that we do, and there's now a ton of it, is available there. And you don't have to fill out a form to get it. So it's all ungated. Uh, and you don't have to tell us who you are. and you just come get that content. So it's all there. And you can look me up on LinkedIn, uh, Carrie Cunningham. And it's pretty easy to find, Carrie Cunningham at Sixth Sense. Uh, and uh, you'll see links to pretty much everything that I have there as well.
0: Excellent. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thank you.
0: So we now have a newsletter. Uh, don't miss an episode. Get show highlights beyond the show, insights, and reminders of upcoming episodes. You can scan the QR code on screen or visit us at Sales TV live forward slash newsletter. This has been another edition of Sales TV Live. On behalf of uh, Carrie and myself and everyone at Sales TV, I want to thank you for all being a part of it. Until next time, we'll see you later.